Hi, I'm Kelly. And I'm Carrie. And we're we're Identical identical twins. Twins. We are so excited to talk to you about all things related to church music here on Hymn Talk, Twin Talk. Now each week we will break down a hymn. It could be an old favorite or it could be one you've never heard of. But it is our prayer that you will worship with us no matter what song it is. So let's get started here on Hymn Talk, Twin Talk. I'm Kelly. I'm Carrie. And we're we're identical identical twins. (laughs) If you didn't know that already, but I bet you you did, welcome to our people who are watching online. You may not know who we are. We are the co-worship leaders and music directors here at First Baptist Church. We are also podcast hosts. Mm -hmm. We have a podcast called Hymn Hymn Talk, Talk, Twin Talk. Talk. Give us a raising of your hand if you listen. Anyone? Anyone? Okay. Okay. I'll take that. I'll take that. In our show, every week we have an episode that is completely devoted to one hymn. And we go into that hymn with excruciating detail. I know it might not sound fun, but it is a lot of fun. It's very interesting. We have 45 episodes, which means 45 hymns. And you can find us on any place where you listen to music or stream music, any podcasting apps that you already have. And you can also follow us on social media. Yep, we're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, even YouTube. Yeah. So we thought today we would dig into one of other hymns and share with you what we learned about it. And so the hymn that we chose for you, you just heard, it's called, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. Now, bells have been a long symbol of Christmas. I'm sure you know, I'm sure you could name some Christmas songs that mention bells. Oh my gosh, how about, jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way, or, Silver bells, silver bells, silver bells, silver bells. Or how about, just hear those sleigh bells ringling, jing, jing, jingling too. Bells are everywhere. Bells are everywhere. We could actually keep going. I I know, we could keep going. We could find more. We were having fun. Now, bells are actually particularly important to us because of our last name. Our maiden name was Bellarado, which no one could pronounce or spell. So we frequently just went by Bell. Bell. In our first, my first teaching job, they called me Miss Bell. Our dad would call the restaurant and make the reservations for Bell, party of five. Our dad actually joked around with us and said that we were the Bell sisters, ding and dong. <laughs> now, many of you may have fond memories of bells ringing. Yeah, a special occasion like a wedding or the school bell ringing, signaling the end of the day. That's my favorite bell. Or you might even have a story that our mother has told us. She documented on Facebook, so you may have already seen the story, but she was hiking in the woods, in deep in the woods, 
And out of nowhere, she hears bells. These bells pierced the silence in the woods, and she had no idea where they were coming from. She took out her cell phone and recorded it. <laughs> <laughs> and put it on Facebook for you all to see and hear. When, so, they, when the woods cleared, they came to a tiny country church that was playing the bells. And my mom says that when she heard those bells that day, that unexpected, lovely sound of the, bell, of the church bells, it just put a smile on her face and improved her day. And many of you may have stories just like that. So we wanted to dig a little bit into the history of bells and how they ring and why they ring, and we came up with three reasons. One, the bells ring for celebration or joy. I remember the bells that, that rang at St. Paul's Cathedral in London when Princess Kate and Prince William were married. Two, to call or summon people. This would be what they would do in the olden days, tell people to come to church. Church is starting, you better get there. Or even come to the town hall for a big meeting. They would ring the bells to invite people. Three, the bells were sometimes used as a warning. Think of a fire alarm bell, or even a bell that signals a storm is coming, like a tornado. You may not even realize how prevalent bells are in our everyday lives. We hear them all the time. So we thought we would take a quick look to see how and where we've seen bells. The city awakes to the bells of Notre Dame. The fishermen fishes, the bakerman bakes to the bells of Notre Dame. To the big bells as loud as the thunder, to the little bells soft as a song. One time, most of my friends could hear the bell, but as years passed, it fell silent for all of them. Even Sarah found one Christmas that she could no longer hear its sweet sound. Though I've grown old, the bell still rings for me, as it does for all who truly believe. Hey, you guys, guess what? <laughs> the British are coming? You and your ways. <laughs> Look, Daddy, Pink is this. Every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. That's right. That's right. Soon the ballroom will echo with sounds of cheer as we ring in the season this year. This is I'm getting married in the morning. Ding dong, the bells are gonna chime. all those clips how about our kids did you see some familiar clips up there yeah well I heard the bells on Christmas Day was actually written on December, December 25th in 1864 
by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. Now, you guys know Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. He's a local guy. He's like a local celebrity. We love when we have famous people from New England. He's a famous poet, a writer, and a literature professor. He wrote the poem, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. He also wrote The Ride of Paul Revere. Right. He was offered a professorship right here at Harvard College, and his works were being published. He was writing as much as he could. I mean, he was living the dream. He was the most popular poet in America at the time. And we can read about his success and just assume that his life was full of happiness, fulfillment, and the joy that comes from being able to creatively express yourself. But we did our hymn talk, twin talk digging, and we learned that he, like many of us, went through some dark times. He experienced grief that no one should have to endure. His first wife, Mary Storer Potter Longfellow, died in 1835, just one month after suffering a miscarriage. He eventually married a, for a second time to Fanny Appleton Longfellow in 1843. Now, during the next 11 years, they would have six children, Charles, Ernest, Francis, Edith, Alice, and Anne. The young daughter, Frances, dies at just 16 months of age. Now, during this time, they are living in Cambridge near the esteemed Harvard College, and their family home was a gathering place for all the great minds of the day, all the creative people like Nathaniel Hawthorne, Ralph Waldo Emerson, and Charles Dickens. Longfellow was a fervent abolitionist. He actually would use the money from his poetry sales to quietly buy the freedom for many who were enslaved in the South. He was extremely vocal about the state of the country, and he was devastated to see the nation turn on itself. In January of 1861, he wrote in his journal, six states have left the Union, led by South Carolina. President Buchanan does not care what happens. He has sympathized with the disunionists. It is now too late to put the fire out. We must let it burn out. A little while long later, on February 22nd, he wrote again in his journal, today is Washington's birthday, heard the bells ringing at sunrise through the crimson eastern sky. They had a sad sound, reminding me of the wretched treason in the land. We were now in a civil war. One afternoon in the summer of 1861, his wife, Fanny, was melting a stick of wax to seal an envelope, and a few drops of wax fell unnoticed on her lap. A breeze came through the window, igniting Fanny's dress, immediately wrapping her in flame. Longfellow frantically attempted to extinguish the flame. He grabbed a throw rug from the ground and wrapped her in it. That wasn't working, so he then just tried with his hands and his own body to smother the flames out. In the process, he suffered severe burning wounds to his hands, arms, and face. Unfortunately, his wife Fanny died the next day, and as a result of his burns, he was confined to a bed and not even able to attend his wife's funeral. When Christmas comes that year, he's feeling incredibly grief-stricken. Mm -hmm. He writes in his journal, how inexpressibly sad are all the holidays. Inexpressibly sad. This is a man who was never at a loss for words. But and now he can't find anything to say, anything to write in his journal. A year later, 
still struggling through his grief, he wrote in his journal once more, A Merry Christmas, say the children, but that is no more for me. Longfellow was already in pain, and he was about to suffer the worst kind of pain for any parent. He would watch his son, Charles, suffer. His oldest child, Charles, was paralyzed after a gunshot wound while serving in the Union Army. Longfellow would spend most of his days now caring for him. This was yet another Christmas with no joy for Longfellow. It seemed there was no end for the grief for poor Longfellow. He fell into another downward spiral of grief when his good friend Nathaniel Hawthorne died in May of 1864. Now here we are in 1864, and when Christmas rolls around again that year, Longfellow wakes up to hear the sounds of church bells ringing. Those church bell sounds that we all think bring us joy did not bring Longfellow joy that morning. He was lost, he was wounded, as he had been so many other Christmas mornings before. But that morning, he picked up his quill to write about those bells. But these words that he wrote were not your typical words for Christmas, Jesus' birth and God's love. He writes about something totally different, the despair that he feels. The despair of his life, the despair he felt for his son, and the despair of the world that he was living in. Now, there are actually two verses, two stanzas in the original poem that we don't have in our hymnals because the two stanzas are very specific to the Civil War. We thought we'd share them with you today. This is his stanza four. Then from each accursed mouth, the cannon thundered in the south, and with the sound, the carols drowned of, of peace, peace on, on earth, good goodwill to men. And the fifth stanza, it was as if an earthquake rent the hearthstone of a continent and made forlorn the households born of, of peace on earth, goodwill to men. He continues, he writes, and in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and, and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Now we don't know how long he sat to write, but he composed those six verses, ending with the one we just read. And then he paused at that moment, his heart about ready to break, his soul and mind in absolute anguish. And in the quiet of the house, he heard once again the church bells. The church bells pierced the silence that day. Had they been ringing the whole time he was writing? Probably. But in the midst of his own personal despair, he couldn't hear them. As he was writing those heartbreaking words, he didn't hear the bells. He actually forgot about the bells. Now then a new revelation occurred to the heartbroken poet. He was in such a dark place, he was not able to hear the bells. But the bells never stopped. They had been ringing the whole time. In the same way, his grief and pain left him temporarily deaf to God's hope, God's peace, God's joy, and God's love. But it did not mean that God's peace had failed or his love had disappeared. He heard those bells still ringing, and he was hearing them with new ears, and he wrote the final verse. 
Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth, goodwill to men. Though darkness and grief and tragedy may deafen our ears to the song of God's salvation, it doesn't mean that the song is dying out. Now, there may be people here who find themselves in a similar place of grief and sadness. The pain is overshadowing the beautiful carols of the season. Other trials are deafening our ears to the glad tidings of comfort and joy. Even if you can't hear the bells, they're still ringing. Even if you can't see it, God's hand is still moving in your life. God will prevail. And, and you, you will, will know, know his, his peace. Now, for those of you who aren't in that place of darkness this morning and maybe aren't relating to what Longfellow was feeling that day, what are the bells saying to you this morning? Well, remember, at the start of our talk, we said that bells had three purposes. Bells are rung for celebration and to express joy. Bells are rung for a call or a summoning. And bells are rung for a warning. Do we have Christian bells that can ring out for all these things? We do. We, we are the bells. bells. And no, not because our name is Bellarado. No. We are God's bells. We are the bells because we are the ones who are celebrating who our God is. We are the ones who can proclaim who he is and what he has done. We are the ones who can live lives of joy People will see our lives of joy, hear our bells ringing, and they'll wonder where that joy comes from. We are the bells because we can issue a call to follow Christ. We call others to hear the good news of Jesus' birth, death, and resurrection. We can invite people to church, to small groups, to the lawn, to a hymn thing. We are the bells who summon people to Christ. And finally, we are the bells that will issue a warning. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The scriptures are clear. We are a broken people, full of sin, and the punishment is death. But God has given us the gift of Jesus Christ, and through that gift, we are promised eternal, eternal life. So we are those bells. We are the proclaiming celebratory bells. We are the summoning, inviting bells. We are the warning bells. The greatest gift that we have ever received, better than any Christmas gift you'll find under a tree, is the gift of eternal life. Promised to us because of what Jesus Christ did for us. All praise to God for this indescribable gift. Will you sing?